Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. Our thanks to our good bud, Charlotte Wilder, for holding it down with us on a Wilder Wednesday. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Ryan Fitzpatrick, former NFL quarterback and current member of the Amazon Prime Thursday night pregame show. Going to join us to look ahead at that as we've got the Bears and the Commies squaring off here. Dad, we'll see if Ryan can make some sense of what's going on with the yeah. Chicago Bears at this point and the bad vibes around well, that organization. I, I think the one thing he can definitely talk about is what it feels like to get sacked since these are the two of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league and Ryan Fitzpatrick took his share of sacks as well. So that, 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 that's certainly going to be part of the conversation. Man, you're going to try and make it as awkward for Ryan as Jared yes. Goff did. Did you see exactly. that the other night yes. after that Thursday night performance by the Detroit Lions? 
Jared Goff gets up. Do we have that video, guys, of Jared Goff getting up and making it very awkward for Ryan Fitzpatrick on set? We don't have that video for it, but after this, apparently, I don't know what Fitzpatrick's original comments are. He called Jared Goff a poor man somebody, and Jared Goff threw it right back in his face after. I'm not... I didn't realize I was a poor man's anybody here based on that. I like dad. The Detroit Lions version of Jared Goff got a little something to him right now. More Dan Campbell's rubbed off on that guy. A little more feisty since going back when he was with the Rams and he didn't know what side the sun came up on, you know, and that whole conversation yeah. from, from hard knocks and stuff. He has gotten a little feisty. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick said he played like the the poor man's uh, Matt Ryan. That That's the term he used. And Goff kind of playfully threw it back at him. And it's always something you run into when you're a, a current player, then a former player and an analyst when you start breaking tape down, film down, and you're being negative towards someone's play and they call you on it or or I, I I had more than a few people when I started. I was going to say, do you have someone that comes oh, to mind for you? I, I don't know the, the specific one, but what would happen is it would, before it's NFL Live now, it used to be NFL Tonight. Uh, when we started that show, myself, Mark Malone, Merrill Hodge, and Sean Salisbury, and we would break down tape. And, and again, it's, it's always about the play, not about the person. I would break down tape, this, that, you know, this is what should have happened. This didn't happen. This person did this. And then when I would go out and be on the road at games, you would get a player that would come up to me and say, he either heard me say, or his brother's friend's girlfriend uh, you know, I, I, they, they said, you said something about me. I'm like, well, if they did, this is what I said. You know, if you want to dis- dispute it or talk about it, that's cool. I, I had no problem with that. I, it's not like it got confrontational. I just said, this is what I said. Some, and some players, you know, didn't like that when you start breaking it down. And I made sure I always did it in a football way, not a personal way. It's, it's not my job, uh, to tell me what kind of person he is, but what the play is on the field. So, Players can get sensitive about that, and that's one of the biggest lines you went through it as well that you have to cross over is I have to be negative towards some players and their play on the field. How do I feel about that? Because I used to be peers with them. Now I'm in a different role than they are. Well, and for me, it was always that fine line because I wasn't peers with them. I didn't have a long NFL career, so now I'm going to criticize guys that are all objectively better at what they're doing in the job we were asked to do than I was. And it's the focus you always mentioned of focusing on the play and not the player focusing on what happened and not being personal. Although we see now more than ever dad in the media with players. So many of them having platforms in the media, so many of them having podcasts, but just in general being online more willing to clap back when people do in their estimation, step over the line. You had that moment with Rodney Harrison on football night in America, talking to Chandler Jones after the jets game where he could said Zach you know, was talking about. No, that was that know, was uh, that was uh, Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Oh, Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with yeah. Uh, Chris Jones thereafter, <laughs> talking about what had gone on with the Jets quarterback um, in Zach Wilson. Right. And at one point referred to him and said, you didn't watch on tape and be like, that guy's garbage. And you saw a number of NFL players, including some of Zach Wilson's teammates, come to his defense. Chris Jones even managed to sidestep that and say, no, you look on tape and you see some special things from this guy. And I, I think you see because of that, people, and I always say this, it's easy in this job to kind of get 
further removed from the field, if you're not around there, if you're not in the locker rooms, if you're not talking to players all the time to kind of feel far enough removed to say some pretty wild stuff. And I think players now do a better job of checking guys when they cross the line, because I think at that moment, calling someone garbage there is crossing the line a bit, is making it way too personal. And so you kind of have a good system of accountability now that didn't always exist outside of some of those in-person interactions. And I'm glad we do. In fact, the the, the term I believe was hot garbage. And and I couldn't believe Rodney said that. I thought that was way out of line and I thought Chris Jones handled it incredibly well you can break down a player without doing that I mean you can that's that's what we do as former players we can break down the game so we but can I will show. say dad too that's also a peek into how players talk about guys like a Zach Wilson inside locker rooms because right. you know good and damn well oh, you yeah. guys probably on that Eagles defense said some wild stuff about some quarterbacks inside your locker room and so it's this double-edged sword of yeah. you're getting a peek at how guys actually think about other players on other teams when you get some of this but also we all kind of universally understand especially for guys in that former player fraternity that when you talk like that about someone it's that old line i can say that about my sibling but if one of you from the outside says that it's going to be a problem here it's kind of that same feel amongst that fraternity where you know how difficult this job is and so when you say stuff like that and invite the average person then and give them the clearance because you said it to join in in that chorus you're intentionally making life more difficult for a guy whose experience you should know better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and you're absolutely right about the platform players who have podcasts and forget even that just a player can, a player can clap back just in a tweet or on uh, however they choose to uh, off of what another former player said about them. So you can get where I would have to wait till I was out and I saw somebody somewhere and they brought it up. Now, you know, just like shows, you can get instant feedback all the time. And you get it more and more from players, especially if the players feel that that analyst was wrong. Listen, a lot of times the analyst is right because, by the way, nobody plays the perfect game, okay? Everybody makes mistakes in a game, and that's our job is to point out the good and then point out the bad. And you want to be right because every single play, Mike, when you and I call games, it's not like we absolutely positively know the coverage or the gap responsibility of every player at all times. So you're trying to piece it together and give the best thought process you can of what you thought may have happened. And quite honestly, if you're not sure it was that guy's fault, then you don't say it was that guy's fault. You can you can hedge somehow, some way, and another way of explaining it. But but there are times you have to really make sure you know of what you're talking about if you're going to lay specific blame on somebody. Speaking of blame, Dad, let's try and divvy it up among the Giants here uh, Mm. because we saw this past weekend was a disaster for the Giants that we know. And while there are a bunch of things you could focus on there, you had another team try and fail to recreate the tush push, the brotherly shove, and actually have multiple players injured yeah, on that wow. play for the Giants, including their center, John Michael Schmitz, prom- Schmitz, promising rookie out of Minnesota. It's a reminder that the notion of banning that play was always a silly, ridiculous notion yeah. that the Eagles have a power lifter at quarterback and a bunch of freak shows playing offensive line. So understandably very good at this. But dad, the image that everyone was left with at that game was Brian Dable throwing the tablet in disgust on the sideline. Daniel Jones walking past him after the pick six that he threw in that game. How concerned are you by displays like that on the sideline, especially when it is a head coach on a struggling team and the quarterback that you've recently invested in? Just like players, and I don't, I don't put anything into players going at it with either each other or a coach on the sideline of a game because 
that is the middle of the game. That's why a lot of times NASCAR interviews are the best because they're in the moment, right? And you may see a fight or something. That Anything that's in the moment. And the frustration level, listen, frustration isn't just left for players, okay? That's for coaches as well. And the frustration level at that point for Brian Dayball, it just looked like, like disgust. I mean, that was on the pick six. You look at that play. You look at the route. You look at the three possibilities Daniel Jones had. And he threw to absolutely the worst case scenario he could have. And he was that was one of the few plays where he wasn't immediately pressured. He actually had time and chose the worst of the three routes that were out there. And it went the other way for 97 yards. And I think Dayball was just at that point was like, dude, are you kidding me? We have a chance to get within one score here. You have three out on a route and you throw to the worst one possible and just flips his uh the you know, the iPad and it was just disgusting. No, I don't I don't put a whole lot to those things when they happen on game day like that. I, the thing I do question, though, because there was enough bad in this game to go around for the Giants that everybody kind of gets to wear some. And I saw, you know, Dan Orlovsky did a great breakdown looking at one of the protections and a couple of the sacks that were on Daniel Jones, where right. he yeah. saw the pre-snap <clears throat> look and did not make the right call. Yes. I think the common misconception so often <clears throat> with sacks allowed, and I think we've gotten better at explaining this with certain stats, you know, between pressure percentage versus sack percentage and ways that we can show the value of a quarterback in keeping sacks from happening and how different guys are better than that than others and how running backs factor in other parts of the protection plan. And so Dan did a good job of showing when the quarterback was at fault for some of these, but Dan late in that game when they were drowning right now, and it felt like every other play for the giants was either a penalty or a sack. I was a little amazed at how often in that game it was, Hey, I understand we're behind and we got to get up, but we're just dropping back without any extra help for an offensive line that was struggling at that point for a quarterback that just wasn't seeing the rush. It almost seemed like Brian Dable was trying to prove a point in that moment out of frustration at that point in the game, because they were just not flat out protecting their quarterback in a way I thought they needed to at that juncture. That I never understand Mike is adjusting. There was a game a year or two ago and I, and I, for the life of me, can't remember it. All I remember is it was a backup left tackle in, and he just kept getting beat over and over and over again. And not once did they put a tight end next to him. Not once did they chip with the back. They just And basically, they said, this is our offense. I, I, and I thought, how ridiculous is that? If you don't adjust, A, to your players, and B, to the situation that's going on in the game, I don't know what you're doing. For you just to say, this is how we run it, the players have to execute it, and you're getting your ass beat, well, you know what? You better look in the mirror, too, and say, we need to adjust somehow, some way. Why is our quarterback getting his butt kicked back there, and what can we do to help that? Listen, I know the left tackle or the right guard or the left guard is supposed to be able to block that guy one-on-one -on -one or pass off a twist. We all know what you're supposed to do because it's amazing and walk through the play works 100% of the time every time, right? But it doesn't work that way in a real game. So if it's not happening and mistakes are being made, you damn well better adjust instead of just saying, do it better out there. Would you like them to do it better? Yes. But when you're getting beat time and time again, you have to adjust and find a different way to approach something. And you're right. They just left him out there and hung him out to dry. So when you get beat this bad and when you're playing as bad as you are, it ain't just one person that has to look in the mirror. It's a lot of people that have to look in the mirror on how they're doing their job, how they're preparing, how they're playing, and how they're coaching. Yep. And, and I understand so much of this goes back to, 
hey, you're just too banged up to function up front right now. Your fourth different offensive line combination, and you had multiple guys go down in this game. But we saw the Seahawks weather a pretty similar yeah. storm this weekend and that kind of injury. And because of the plan that you had, Shane Waldron and company there, you were able to overcome that stuff. For the Giants right now, they're at a bit of a crossroads between who they want to be and who they are right now. And I think that was always the tough bit with Daniel Jones coming into the season is that investment was about a guy who they believe could take that next step as a quarterback. And we saw some of, unfortunately, the familiar problems that had popped up early in Daniel's career with ball security and the like that became and reared their ugly heads in this game. You can still argue they maybe didn't go out and acquire enough this offseason to help Daniel Jones take that next step outside of a guy like Darren Waller. But regardless, he's got to take a big step forward, and this team's got to take a big look in the mirror because defensively, that unit has not shown up in that way. And no. offensively, Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka, two of the coaches that we lauded last year for their ability to maximize personnel so far this year, I think are struggling just as much as their quarterback in that regard. So tell me this, Mike, because it's the offensive side of the ball. On a short yardage play, it's very, very simple of what O-linemen and D-linemen do. Okay, As an interior defensive lineman, my especially fourth and really short or third and really short, whatever uh, goal line play is you get down low and you try and shoot a gap and get under the legs of the old lineman and at least make the line of scrimmage stay there so they get no movement. An offensive lineman, you're still trying to move a defensive lineman or create some kind of space for your quarterback or the running back. It's it that is not rocket science. What the Eagles are doing is not rocket science. They are lining up two guys behind Jalen Hurts and they are pushing him, the brotherly shove. And it's working this season 10 of 11 times. Anybody else who has tried it, they're 49 of 71, 68%. Why doesn't it work for other teams and why does it work in the same basic play of what O-linemen are trying to do? The, the quarterback getting pushed, and I know Jalen Hurts squats the mountain, but he's still getting pushed by two players. You're still being helped oh, by I mean, players. I mean, I maintain he'd still get it without the push. I want them to go out and prove a point this week and just do it without the push because I do think having a quarterback who's a power lifter matters. And why would we be surprised? The Eagles' offensive line is universally considered one of the best in the NFL that they would also be better at this than most lines in the NFL. Like, they're better at pass blocking and run, backing, run blocking in normal downs and distances than most groups. So why wouldn't they be better at this part of it too? You got a center who's basically as low to the ground as possible. Jason Kelsey, a little bit on the shorter side, but definitely one of the more athletic guys, gets lower than most people. Landon Dickerson's a big old hoss. They got yeah. a front full of big old hosses there. So their guys are bigger and better than most of the re at most of the rest of parts of offensive line play than everybody else. So I'm not surprised. And again, when you factor in the Jalen Hurts part, which I do think matters, like anyone on any team can do the shove from behind. Why is it that this quarterback in particular seems so adept at going out and doing that? I do think it's because it's a big, you got basically a linebacker playing quarterback in terms of the strength measurables. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's just amazing how easy, as I said, the, the, one of the best plays in the game is when you can line up and everybody in the world knows what you're doing and you're still successful at doing it. It's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive, uh, as is Jerry Jones' ability to get headlines and drama going into a matchup and slight <laughs> teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. This is sound of Jerry Jones talking about the Cowboys' upcoming match with the Niners and a bit of a clip that's gone viral now. They are right now uh, probably the – uh, most likely team to uh, go in the Super Bowl. And, uh, but in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us. If you're playing the best, uh, this is a, uh, a certainly, uh, you don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best. 
but you need the game to uh, show you uh, how you stack up against the best. So Jerry Jones saying that about the San Francisco 49ers team that he's playing right now. Dad, should we interpret this as shade towards Philadelphia, the in-division rival? Oh, probably. I mean, listen, whenever you have a shot to take, take a little shot at your division rival, why not do it? But I will say he is right. I mean, if, if you just look at the, the evidence out there, the 49ers are playing the best right now, right? I think the two best teams in the NFC are the Eagles and the 49ers. And the 49ers are more in their version of what they are than the Eagles are. That Eagles offense still needs to come along, and I think they will, and they're still getting wins along the way. And you don't need to be at your best right now. You need to be at your best later in the season. So I I do think they are going to be right there. But right now, I think he's right. So I I do think he is just telling the truth in this. And what a great matchup, right? I mean, for, for these two teams, um, you know, two, two of the best without question. Um, especially the Dallas defense, which is, is second overall, second against the pass, middle of the pack against the run, giving up about 111, 112 yards. So it'll be interesting how San Francisco attacks. It's always interesting how they attack because they have so many weapons to attack. Yeah, I think that's the part that's worrisome if you're the Cowboys is you got to have that little specter in the back of your head from the Arizona game where, oh, the Cardinals were kind of able to go ahead and get some stuff done on the ground against you. I know that's sort of been their MO. And listen, the thing we've underrated with the Cardinals is Josh Dobbs' mobility. If you're going to have a bad football team, I suggest you have a quarterback that's a viable run and scramble threat because it does so much and for your group up front. If you got a guy that can just pull the ripcord on a play, go off and burst for a bunch of yards when things break down. That is certainly not what the 49ers have, but the 49ers do all the other stuff, right? Like, if you don't have a quarterback that can zone read, you've got to have all the motion stuff. You've got to have guys going the opposite way on the snap every play to give the defense something to think about that's not the quarterback here. And you've got, outside of the Miami Dolphins, I would say probably the other most potent run game scheme in the NFL and what Kyle Shanahan and company have done there against a group up front where that's the spot to get them, Dad. The one thing going into every NFL game, and you know this, when you've got a D-line like the Dallas Cowboys, there are certain things everybody's just got to do. Wham block guys, throw screens, do misdirection stuff, give these high-priced pass rushers something to look at on each play to try and make them slow down a little bit. The 49ers got that in the bag. That's just their normal offense. And so all of that combined with the fact that, oh, by the way, then it's Christian McCaffrey that's doing that. Then it's Brandon Ayuk as the number one receiver. Then Debo Samuel's coming out of nowhere. George Kittle's over on that other side. They are like the Dolphins, the perfect combination of scheme and overwhelming talent to go and do the things you already have to do against a team like Dallas, but to do them with all pros. Yeah, and and talk about movement with a purpose, too. The motioning that they do with the purpose of, of the stars that they have on that offense. Looking forward to it. Both excellent defenses. San Francisco's got multi-talented offense, so... What's going to be the difference in this game? Obviously, we have time still this week to break it down, but that's this is the big matchup, I think, of two of the top three teams in the NFC. Yeah, this is going to be a big one for Dak Prescott, who yeah, has quietly quelled the turnover problems it's, last year yep. that people were so obsessed with, been highly productive in this offense, but now gets a 49ers opponent in the right stage to go and make this work. We'll talk to another guy who's been on the big stage in a lot of quarterback rooms and Ryan Fitzpatrick next year on Gojo and Gold. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. 
Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr. Hoping to talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick, former NFL quarterback, part of the great crew. Helping you get ready for Thursday night football on Prime each and every week right now as we've got the Bears and the Commanders coming up tomorrow night. In a game, Dad, that I don't know if anyone's really excited about. I think for the Bears, there's just so many bad vibes around that organization, despite Justin Fields having played the best game, I would say, of his Bears tenure last week in an ultimate loss to the Denver Broncos, which, man, oh, man, you talk about a team that was in must-win territory. It feels like that for the Bears to some extent. For the Broncos, that was desperation mode coming off one of the most embarrassing losses you'll ever see. But now walking into the game this week, you've got on one side – Sam Howell, who's the most sacked quarterback in football right now. The commanders have surrendered 24 sacks on the young season. But there's also been a lot of good on the other side. Like, it has been, for Eric Bieniemy. I think as a play caller, the best start to the season you could have hoped for, for a guy that was wrongly maligned for being in the same coaching room as Andy Reid, who gets credit for that, rightly so, for actually calling the plays there, but had credit robbed of Eric Bieniemy in a way that did not affect his peers that had been in that room before him. And so he comes over here to try and do something to stir up the pot and show people, hey, I can do this. I've got this in my bag. And so far, Dad, through the first number of games for Sam Howell, who's a fifth round pick and a guy who's certainly got ability, but we're seeing Eric Bieniemy's offense go out here and execute successfully in a way that so far through a quarter of the season has to be stock up for him as a guy who's potentially still trying to get into a head coaching job. Completely agree. Completely agree. You know, for a division that we talked about that had three playoff teams last year, Philly, Dallas, and New York, Washington was left out of that. Now you look at this year and you have clearly Philly and Dallas and then the other two and now the Giants, just a dreadful start to them. Washington is sitting at two and two. They were two and oh out of the gate. Then they got smoked by the Bills bad. That was a bad one, 37 to three. They lost to the Eagles 34 31. And that wasn't a game where Philly was up and Washington was just trying to catch him. This was never more than a one score game throughout. So they played Philly strong. Now, I don't think Philly's playing their best right now, but so what? You only go off what games you see and you're playing. And they were in that game. Like I said, one score throughout. So I do like the way they're playing. And this is uh, been, this has been a year for Eric Bieniemy to kind of showcase himself as the play caller since he was in that in Kansas City. And I had said at the beginning of the year that I thought Sam Howell and uh, Jordan Love of the were the two more of the non-established quarterbacks who played well in the preseason. But this guy's just getting hammered. 24 sacks. I mean, again, and, yeah. and it's and not going to all that's be on, part not of that's all on be him. On, right, right. Not all going to be on the old line, going to be on him as well. But you have two quarterbacks who you're going to see, unfortunately, go down, I think, in this game because Fields is third uh, in the league. There's there's Howell at 24, Daniel Jones 22 sacks now. The 10 he just took uh, in the last game had a lot to do with that. And then Justin Fields has been sacked 17 times. So these quarterbacks have been going down quite a bit, and and, and it has been on them as well. Without question, not all on the old line, but you certainly, when that much pressure is getting on a quarterback, 
it's twofold. You got to have the quarterback make reads quicker, get rid of the ball or throw it away or help with protection up front. So one of the two you got to do. I guess you also got to have the quarterback. I mean, Sam Howell's still playing like he's in North Carolina. Yes. He was North Carolina's leading rusher his yep. last year at that team. And it's because he's, I said he's like super serum Baker Mayfield physically where they have the same look first off with the beard and the hair and all that stuff. But he goes out there and is the much more mobile of the two. And he's a pretty strong guy. So he's, you see him pinballing off dudes all the time. And that sort of confidence in your ability to extend plays tends to lead to that. But dad, this is the ultimate stoppable force meets movable object game. Because on one side, you've got the most stacked quarterback in football in Sam Howell. And on the other side, you've got the Bears who are dead last in the NFL with two sacks on the year. Oh, like they have not been able to get to the quarterback at all. So we talked about this with Seattle the other night where that had not been a team that had done well in sacking the quarterback. They had five on the season going into that Giants game and had 11 on the other side of that for a team that's not overly adept at that. For the Chicago Bears right now, if you can't get sacks and pressure in this game, it ain't coming all season long, buddy. This is just not going to be something that's in the cards as we talk so much about the offense there, but the defense, that level of ineptitude at that particular place, putting pressure on the quarterback is going to make it pretty difficult. On the other side, that they were sawing off resources on last year. We know personnel-wise, they have not put themselves in a position to win on that side of the ball, having to rely on a lot of young guys on that defense right now. I mean, you said it. Two sacks, they have two interceptions, they have no fumble recoveries. I mean, the, we, we kept saying the Arizona roster was probably the worst in the NFL, and they're a tough out for people right now. This this Bears roster, it is for a team we thought was some of the moves that they made. And to their credit, they went out and made moves. Now, maybe to their discredit, these moves aren't working, <laughs> right? And on the Justin Fields basket by not getting rid of him and going for a different quarterback this past year. And man, I, I, I'm even surprised at how much it's not working. Now, I never thought they were going to be a playoff team. I never thought Justin Fields was going to be talked about for the MVP, but I thought he was going to improve. And I thought this team was going to show some improvement. And now you may be looking at a clean sweep of, of changes the way this is going. And that's awful to say in the first quarter of the season, but I mean, you just you just watch this team play and you wonder where's the hope and you're hearing the right things. Right. Justin Fields saying, I think we're close. I think we're getting there. What the hell you want these guys to say? I mean, you're hearing I mean, the right things now. Yeah. We just came off a stretch where they had to mysteriously have their defensive coordinator step down, got about one hundred thousand dollars worth of gear stolen from the facility, had their quarterback and Justin Fields come out and make comments that alluded to coaching as one of the reasons why he was playing slower and then have to revisit those comments after. And these guys just asked one of their receivers to stay home right now yeah. because they view him as a net negative on the effect overall in the locker room there. So this all dad kind of leads to an indictment. And I saw Peter King write about this the other day that he wouldn't be surprised if this went really sideways tomorrow night against the commanders in a way that's absolutely possible if the Bears thinking about making a change at head coach because dad while I can't point to one real indelible mark of Matt Eberflus on this organization maybe that's a problem for a guy who's a defensive-minded head coach coming over not having any effect on that side of the ball certainly personnel go a long way in that but all of the rest of this disarray reminds me of that like term we hear in college football all the time lack of institutional control right now yeah. it just doesn't feel like there are two hands on the wheels for the Bears at this point I never want anyone to lose their job no. but you wonder if a team in these dire straits might make a desperate decision before the season's over as we mull maybe a potential quarterback change in yeah. the offseason yeah. and some of the other bigger questions the Bears are going to have. It, to it wouldn't shock me. And it certainly is not 
I don't think going to change the fortunes of this team, but they they're in a bad place right now. Bad place on the field, bad place off the field with no end in sight. So maybe the thought process is we need to at least shake it up a little bit. We supposedly have NFL talent out here. Uh, we should be, you know, in these games more. They were in the Denver game, obviously, but those are two awful teams playing one another. So it wouldn't shock me because that's what happens, right? That's what happens. We go with the let's make a change because maybe that'll light a spark. It's not going to change the fortunes of this team this year. Will it make them? Will they play a little better? Maybe they will. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to be this playoff team. And then you're going to be looking for another head coach come the end of the season. So unless what we don't know is how it is in the locker room, right? Though though some of the things you just said kind of says what's going on in the locker room. And, and if your head coach has completely lost the locker room, then maybe it's something you do. Uh, because that that's where I talk about making a change during the season is if the locker room is gone and the coach has has absolutely no yank in the locker room anymore. And players, when players are looking past the coach when he's talking, then, yeah, it's probably time to make some kind of a change. I will say I don't want to overrate too much, right? Justin Fields, a young player, maybe just misspeaking in public right, and having right. that become a thing. I don't want to put whatever happened with their defensive coordinator on Matt Eberflus. And even with the Chase Claypool stuff, part of that you could spin as, hey, this is a moment where the coach stepped up and is doing something resembling leadership. Because it's saying, hey, we got a problem here, and so I'm going to stamp that out before it further infiltrates the locker room. But, Dad, my thought process is more on this front, and it's with less of a sample size, but look what the Arizona Cardinals did with Cliff Kingsbury. They fired him in the middle of the season because as they're staring down, we don't know if this could be Kyler Murray's last year in Arizona, right, depending on right. how they finish. I think the bigger question is for the Bears. If you're Ryan Poles and you're thinking about making a change at quarterback and making a new decision on that this offseason, is this the coach you want at the helm for whoever you pick? next because for ryan poles this is going to be it if you make a change of quarterback or coach the clock is for you now yep. too on that so i think yep. that's part of the calculus not just now but what's going to end up happening this offseason as it seemed like the bears might have some big decisions to make all right coming up next let's go back to college take a look at the number one ranked bulldogs next The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and excited to be joined right now by a man in transit on his way to give you that goodness in leading up to Thursday night football, Commanders and Bears, former NFL quarterback and current analyst over at Prime, Ryan Fitzpatrick, joining us now here. And fresh off of Ryan, you were just telling us we almost lost a chunk of the beard recently here. You almost lit your beard on fire? Oh, I, I got in a real dangerous, precarious situation, uh, just lighting a griddle and the flame went up my arm and got the right side of my beard, singed a bunch of hair. So I had an emergency uh, trip to the barber last week and uh, I was nervous about it. But thank God we don't have to see my face and what's under there. Well, he saved it anyway. I mean, good, good save on the beard. What were you what were you getting ready to grill, by the way? Uh, grilled cheese for the kids, you know, uh, I've got seven, my brother next door is five. So we just do the assembly line with grilled <laughs> cheese. That's about the best thing I can cook, but hey, it works. So how long have yeah. you been growing a beard that was almost taken down by grilled cheese then? Because the hang time on this is glorious. Yeah. I mean, I I've had this thing for quite a while. I think 2010, 2009, 2010 in Buffalo is the first time I realized I could actually grow one. And uh, I, I just, I used to cut it off once a year. I haven't cut it off for a few years now. So I, I really, really, really am happy that I was able to salvage it. Yep, yep. Keep your face away from that grill. Save the beard at all costs. All right. You're getting ready to, to, to go and be part of the uh, the Thursday night game. And we were just talking about that. So one, one kind of overall question in this game, we talked about Sam Howell, quarterback for the commanders, sacked the most. Justin Fields sacked the third most. You've been sacked a few times in your NFL career as well. We were talking about Daniel Jones earlier getting sacked as much as he did and how maybe there wasn't the adjustments to protect better by chipping, by tight ends, by running backs. At what point do you think teams where quarterbacks are getting beat up, and sometimes it's their fault too. We have to understand that. Where you have to you have to change what you're doing up front with protection to help more. Yeah, I, I think when you take that many sacks, I mean Daniel Jones getting sacked eleven times, Sam held nine or ten times in a game. There are multiple issues. Um, you know, one of them being the quarterback holding on to it too long. Other ones being, what is the scheme? Uh, can we get it out quicker? Can we chip, like you said? Can we move the pocket a little bit so there's not so much pressure on those guys up front? But, you know, with Sam Howell going into this game, he is playing some great football. If you take out that Bills game, you know, he's, he's going to have some growing pains, but he's playing awesome. A simple thing with him is just depth of his drop. You know, he's getting past that 10-yard range and that puts a lot of strain on those tackles to be able to create a pocket. Uh, so he just, in terms of processing and getting things, he's doing a great job. But when he freezes up and doesn't know what's going on, that's when you see those problems with those sacks. Daniel Jones, multitude of issues, but I think they can work on getting the ball out quicker as well. For the other quarterback in this game in Justin Fields, a lot's been made of the team's approach, the lack of design rushing attempts at the beginning of the season, a number of things. Do you think Luke Getze and this Bears offense are doing enough to put Justin Fields in positions to succeed? Well, you know, played great, and who knows if that's because it was the Denver defense that just gave up 70 points to Miami or <laughs> that was Chicago figuring something out. But you know, I will say when you watch this offense, they have weapons. I mean – Herbert in the backfield. They brought in DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney's one of the more underrated receivers. Uh, Cole Komet, your guys' Notre Dame boy. 
Um, you know, he had a couple touchdowns last week, but there's some issues there. And, you know, Justin Fields, he aired it out a couple weeks ago in the media. And I felt like that put more pressure, pressure on Justin to get out there and make some plays. Didn't necessarily have the best game after that. But then, you know, last week, wow, he played so well, uh, especially in that the first three quarters of that game. I'm looking for more of that. We're hoping for more of that. That's the beauty of a game. But I think there's going to be, like you guys said, a lot more sacks. There should be more points on the board as well. As far as changes, you know, it, it happens every year and you never wish for anybody to lose their job. But people talking about Matt Eberflus, the head coach, or Matt Canna, the O coordinator in Pittsburgh, to not be calling plays anymore, possibly uh, for Kenny Pickett. Do you think changes like that during the season, especially early or midway in the season, do you think they really make a difference on a team for the for the, the, the current year? You know, I, th- I think they can. And, and it is tough because – Calling plays is not easy. There aren't you can't just pick a guy off the staff that's never done it before and say, "Hey, hey, you're up." But sometimes you get to a point where it's bad enough to where anything is better than what's happening. So it's definitely something I've seen in my career, something I've had to live through. You know, when you do that, there are obviously growing pains. But sometimes you get past the point of no return where you've got to make some sort of change, or you're going to lose the guys in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you've seen and played a lot of quarterback in your career, and I always feel like every specific position has things that they look for that signify, oh, someone's really great at what we do in this position. And we see a lot of conversation in the NFL right now about quarterbacks in certain systems, Brock Purdy in San Francisco's system, Tua down in Miami with the Dolphins. When you look at a quarterback, how do you separate what that player is bringing to the position versus what's the product of the system around him in a way that fans sometimes struggle with? Yeah, I always think that's an interesting conversation because, you know, for a guy like Tua, who who struggled, you know, early on in his career, Mike McDaniel comes in and it really is tailor-made to his skill set. So I don't know, I don't know why it matters, you know, that it tailor-made to his skill set and that's why he's succeeding. The the key is that he's succeeding and that he's playing really well. Brock Birdie, he's still not getting enough attention. If you ever if you watch this guy play, He's an absolute machine. It's it's unbelievable, you know, what he's doing. Yes, in that system, but Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy more than any quarterback he's ever had in his career at this point, especially in San Francisco, which is amazing. What would you say is the thing Brock Purdy does best for people that haven't watched or given him enough credit at this point? Yeah, I mean, he processes. Uh, and people don't understand with Brock Purdy. Last year, he was battling to be the number three came in during the middle year and won those games for him and won the playoff games, that was him without having any reps in the preseason. So I don't think people understand how amazing this kid is at processing information, at always making the right decision. And then, you know, he's tailor-made for that offense because his accuracy, he may not be able to throw the ball, you know, 75 yards down the field, but he's going to be able to hit Debo Samuel and uh, IU in stride. And the run after catch is such a huge thing in that offense. His his accuracy is great. It's great insight. We really appreciate it. He is one of the more, I think, polarizing quarterbacks in the league right now because he has played so well and specifically on that team. Ryan, we know you got a travel day ahead of you. Travel safe. We're glad the beard is intact, and we're all looking forward <laughs> to watching you on the desk with everybody else getting ready for Thursday night oh. football. Thanks, brother. All right. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> what a horrible experience that would have to be, right? 
What, I, almost I losing my, a beard? That'd be terrible. Oh, be, I, I, oh my God. I called, I'd be my so wife. I, I called my wife and I was like, I don't know what I look like. I'm heading to the mirror right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, like that, that burnt hair smell too. You know, it stuck with me for like 48 hours. It was so oh. gross. Oh, There's nothing like God. it. It's that feeling of when you get hit in the teeth and you haven't gotten to see a mirror and you're not sure, are they all there? Am I going to be spitting <laughs> chiclets right now? And so that distance from the, the from the moment you got hit to the time you get in front of the mirror, I'm sure yeah. it had to feel like an eternity. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Thanks, Ryan. Awesome. Appreciate Ryan. it, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. All right. Incredible. All right, Thanks, Inc- incredible stuff there for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, but you're right, Ryan- though. You're right. When when you can't see it and you want to get to a mirror and you're like, oh, my God, how bad is this going to be when I get there? I'll never forget when I was getting ready for training camp with the Steelers. I came back and that was Zach Martin, Chris Watt, their last year in South Bend on campus. So I came back to work out with them, work out with our old island coach. And I was out on the field doing some drills. We were non-padded, no helmets on, and we were doing some pass rush drills. And one of the guys that was helping us out went for an arm over on me and I had my head too close and I got popped right in the head and I grabbed my head and I could feel it hurting. And all of a sudden I pull it away and I look at Zach and I go, how's it look? And he goes, put your hand back on that. I had cut open the whole top of my head, was bleeding all all over the place and needed a bunch of stitches that made me look like a pirate in Steelers training camp and started me off on the right foot right there. We'll finish this off with this, that, and the third next. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., we're going to finish this off the way we always do with this, that, and the third. As always, thank you to our guests, Charlotte Wilder and Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you missed any of that, make sure you go download, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Leave us that five-star rating and check out all of that available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Dad, let's get to this and start off uh, with this one. Three quick stories to send everyone off into their day. James Harden, reportedly. On his way to 76ers training camp and ready to make this uncomfortable, per Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, it sounds like the 76ers superstar who has publicly blasted their GM, Daryl Morey, and done a number of other things to try and get himself out of the scene, said, quote, Wojnarowski did. James Harden wants a trade. He wants to make the 76ers uncomfortable. So uncomfortable, ultimately, they don't think they'll get the best out of him and make a trade. Dad, we are watching an artist paint in their preferred medium right now. I hope everyone appreciates greatness while we have it, because you're about to watch James Harden, a man who has once reportedly debatably worn a fat suit openly subverted the team by giving absolute piss poor effort on the basketball court in the middle of actual games and most recently gone to lambasting daryl morey publicly at an adidas a sponsored event in china i have no idea what he was going to do i said he should shave the beard there are a few things at this point that could probably make me more uncomfortable than a clean shaven (laughs) james harden face walking into training camp but i'm open to ideas right now and i'm going to be deferential to the goat because make no mistake when it comes to doing this specific thing James Harden is the unquestioned greatest of all time. We always say about that that players can have the power in the NBA. They have a lot of power and how far are you willing to go? We said this with running backs, right? 
uh, running backs not happy, you know, a Saquon Barkley, you know, a Jonathan Taylor. How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to sit out? Are you willing to draw a line in the sand? Are you willing to? How far are you willing to go uh, in your convictions? James Harden is obviously willing to go as far as as he has to go to get what he wants, and, and I, I I'm not a particular fan of it in all honesty um, because my thought is wherever he goes next, what if he's not happy there? Then you know you know how he's going to act. You know what he's going to do. He's a guy that's been one of the great players we've seen. Changed the game, though some people think for the worse with all the isolation things. Has not come up big in the playoffs when you need him to with a player supposedly that great. So to me, is he worth it? Is he worth the fact that all of a sudden, if things aren't going well, that he's going to be the biggest pain in your ass that you can think of to get his way out there? Uh, that that. This one kind of turns me off. I mean, this one really does that a player goes this far, but I understand he's in it for himself. He's in it to get what he wants and people are allowed to do that. And if you can get away with it, you're going to do it again. It's just a matter of how far you're willing to go. And we see how far he's willing to go. I'm just not a fan of going this far to actually making it uncomfortable for your team to get to it. Like I said, I'm, I'm not taking him. I'm, I'm not taking on a guy that if he doesn't, all of a sudden, like where he is, he's going to become a big problem for a guy who is, doesn't have any rings to his name, and we have seen him n- not show up and or disappear, I would say, in the playoffs. So not no, not happening for me, not coming on my team. James Harden is a serial cheater in relationships where each subsequent new spouse thinks, oh, it'll be different with me yeah, this time exactly. because I've got everything he wants and needs only to find out that much like in the tale of the scorpion, the frog, sometimes you just are what you are. So I because I don't have to deal with this as a teammate, which would absolutely be maddening to have to defer to someone who is extremely talented and has been successful, but you know, ultimately will likely betray you the moment it stops being advantageous for them as an onlooker. I'm just excited to watch what the guy comes up with to make this thing deeply uncomfortable. We've seen hold-ins in the NFL for guys that come in and don't want to lose the paycheck. James Harden is going full insurgent on this one. He is going to come in and try and destabilize the region right now in Philadelphia. So we will see how that goes for James Harden. Let's get to uh, that, Dad. This is an interesting one here that we saw. I think everyone, and we had Scott Hansen on at the start of the NFL season, is fascinated with trying to find their version of what the NFL has tapped into with the Red Zone channel. And ESPN's going to try that right now. Um, and I saw John Buchagross retweet this, but per the Beauty League on Twitter, ESPN is creating an NHL version of the Red Zone channel called Frozen Frenzy. It will occur starting on October 28th, the night all 32 NHL teams play. The broadcast will be hosted by John Buchagross and is set to show every goal, power play, and hit. People wondering, will this be enough to get you to tune into it? Dad, I think it's an awesome idea and an awesome potentially um, to get this going, but I I think it's a... Interesting to see how it gets fitted to other sports here. Football, you've got such a clear line of demarcation. You've got a sport that plays with more gaps in between. We know hockey, part right. of the difficulty is it is nonstop. We've said it's one of the most difficult sports to call for that reason, especially for play-by-play guys, because you can't ever really look down. And so John Butchagross is a man who lives and breathes this sport in a way that very few do. I'm fascinated to watch and see how they try and go and use these specific markers to try and recreate what's become a sensation for the NFL over the last decade. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you said is it's kind of, it's nonstop compared to football where you have stoppage and you can jump to another game where here it's nonstop. And as soon as you leave a game, there could be a score that, that you missed. 
But I love the attempt. I do love the attempt. I, I will certainly watch something like this. I am a hockey fan. Um, for the casual hockey fan, I don't know if it'll be too much because the game moves at such a, a fast speed. But I do like trying. I remember Fox years ago. Remember they tried the the blue puck or the glowing puck? Yeah, the glowing that puck. had a tail on it, but sometimes it looked like it was in the fourth row, unfortunately. But I, I give them credit for trying because you want to make the game more palatable to the casual fan because it does move so fast. You lose the puck at times. So trying something innovative uh, for the fans, I think it's great. I hope it works. I have no idea how it's going to because the sport's run so differently do football and hockey but i'm i'm glad they're trying and i'm certainly going to tr- check it out it's going to be on espn plus from seven to eight o'clock that night and then espn to the rest of the night and it seems like a trial balloon to where if this goes well is it put something that they might potentially do right. on other days where you've got a high influx of this certainly once you get to the postseason because to your point dad look at what major league baseball found with the pitch clock this year almost every metric you can point to for right. viewership and otherwise is up and while you can attribute that to a lot of things, young stars in the game, I think in no small part, there is some credit owed to the fact that that product is moving faster. They took feedback about their game and understood the diehards are going to be here. We're not going to mess with it too much, but we're going to do this. And now for the NHL, looking at the most successful league in North American sports in the NFL and trying to look at one of the reasons why it's been so accessible to fans, you need look no further than our Instagram page where a video of Scott Hansen talking about yelling seven hours of commercial free football at a grocery store has three quarters of a million views right now it's a <laughs> phenomenon and the nfl is going to or nhl is going to try and tap into that in a way that i am very excited about dad let's get to the third though because speaking of phenomena it's back i didn't know it was back i forgot it was gone but apparently the mcrib is making its return dad after a farewell tour in 2022 by a sandwich at mcdonald's they have now decided once again, like most of most of Hollywood, it's time for the reboot. So the McRib is coming back in select locations in 2023. Um, I've never had a McRib, Dad. Have no. you had a McRib? Oh my God, I've had many a McRib. I mean, and this was supposed to be done in 22, right? I mean, it was supposed to be gone forever. But uh, as McDonald's has says, it turns out not everyone was ready to say goodbye to the McRib after last year's farewell tour. Great marketing play, by the way. Uh, say it's the end and it's not really the end. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've seen so many places. Yeah. IHOP did the burgers thing a while back with this. Yep. Yep. Uh, we all took Taco Bell to task for doing away with the Mexican pizza. So all of these things seem to go back around this. This one's going to be only in participating markets and it's going to return by mid-November uh, this weekend as well. So or this season as well. So I'm excited to try my first. McRib. I'm surprised you haven't tried it. I, I, I really, it's very good. I mean, it's, it's, it, listen, you're not going to eat it and say, Oh my God, it's the best fast food sandwich I've ever had in my life, but it's something different. And I, I am actually somewhat surprised in someone in our family. We are a food family that you have not tried the McRib. Yeah. You know what? And I got a lot of people saying, Oh, it's bad. Oh, it tastes like shoe leather, all this, that, and the third about it. Like, listen, I'll make that decision for me. You guys have seen I'm a trash panda. I'm going to throw anything I can in the gullet here and I'm going to try and make it work. And so for science, I owe it to myself to try this. I owe it to myself to get the experience out of this. I agree. Do it in your car like you do your candy bars and let's get a review. McRib review incoming this November. Give us a review and a subscription and a download wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.